The reading is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is Hugo Rifkin writing in The Times a couple of weeks ago. Is it just me, or does Boris Johnson promising to save Christmas seem to come around earlier every year? In September, remember, the threat was going to be empty supermarket shelves, whereupon the PM put Michael Gove in charge, in the manner of the elf in Elf. Within weeks, we'd had a labour shortage, a food and toys shortage, and a petrol shortage, and each time the question and the answer was the same. Prime Minister, will you save Christmas? Yes, he answered. Since then, we've had the Christmas tree crisis, the turkey crisis, the energy crisis, and the container ship crisis. Now the big one, which is the first crisis to sound like a novel by Len Dayton, by which, of course, I mean the Omicron crisis. Being a COVID crisis, this is a threat to Christmas of a different order, and no amount of Michael Gove in yellow tights and a pointy green hat is going to help us. For now, Johnson intends to save Christmas via a combination of boosters, tests and travel bans. End of quote. But what if Christmas doesn't actually need saving by Boris Johnson? The famous passage just read from Matthew's Gospel turns our worry about saving Christmas on its head. Rather than us needing to save Christmas, it turns out that Christmas saves us. I want to spend just a few moments now reflecting on how Christmas saves us by focusing on the two names in that passage given to the child who was born that first Christmas. Emmanuel and Jesus. Let's look first at Emmanuel. Five years ago, a fledgling Hong Kong-based music band in the somewhat niche genre of progressive metal decided to call it a day. For two years, the group had tried their hardest to pull together a debut album. They played a few gigs and posted some of their material on YouTube, but no one was very interested. So they folded. Imagine the surprise then of this long-defunct band to find, just a few weeks ago, that they were being swamped with fans from right around the world. Enemy and Rolling Stone magazines rang for interviews. Appeals 
were made for them to release that album, to go on tour, to fill stadiums. What was going on? Well, it was all in a name. The band's name was Omicron. And with a kind of humility not typical for the rock music industry, the lead singer said in an interview with Rolling Stone, whether for the right or wrong reasons, we've been getting clicks. It's been a lot to process. Well, the band is hastily reforming and dusting down plans for that debut album and they have all the world's music media backing them for their story, if not actually for their music. Names, you see, can be very powerful. Names given to people in the Bible are almost always full of powerful meaning too. Joseph is told by the angel that Mary will give birth to a son, a son prophesied 700 years before by the prophet Isaiah, and his name would be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now the sheer fact of the universe's existence and the complexity of life on earth lead many people to think that there must be some kind of extraordinary power behind our universe. However, this evidence falls frustratingly short of the details that we would want to know about God, such as what is God's character and what is God's purpose for me and the world. But what if God chose to enter into our world, to become one of us and communicate to us on a level where we could know his character and purpose? The Gospel writer Matthew says this is precisely what happened that first Christmas. C.S. Lewis wrote a famous essay in which he compared the relationship between human beings and God to that between Hamlet and Shakespeare. Hamlet is the creation of Shakespeare. He cannot climb out of the play he is in and discover his creator. The only way for Hamlet to know what Shakespeare was like would be if Shakespeare, the creator, wrote himself into the play of Hamlet as another character. And this is the extraordinary claim that Matthew is making, that God, the creator, has written himself into our reality so that we can know him. The God of the Bible did not socially distance from us. In Jesus Christ, he is God with us. Now, many today would say, yes, well, that's a lovely, comforting story of a God who becomes human so we can know him. But of course, it didn't really happen. But the gospel writers are insistent that this is no mere fairy tale for credulous religious people, but historical reality for everyone. The gospels are eyewitness historical accounts. The one born in Bethlehem grew to be a man with the most extraordinary public ministry. Great crowds of people heard him teach, including the religious and political authorities. Many people witnessed him heal the sick open the eyes of the blind, walk on water and raise the dead. And most extraordinary of all, there were multiple witnesses to his resurrection from the dead. These were public historical events recorded within the lifetimes of the eyewitnesses. The authorities could have squashed the Christian movement so easily at the very beginning if they could have shown these events to be fictional. But they never did. All the evidence of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ points to the fact that he truly was God with us, 
come to reveal God to us. Now, if this is true, do you see how it changes everything for us? It means that our uncertainty about God can be over if we want it to be. The evidence is there to be examined if we want to. In the new year here in Parliament, we will run a short three-session course looking more closely at the evidence for the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that means for us today. If you'd like to know more about that, please contact us through the Christians in Parliament website. In Jesus Christ, God has made himself known. He is Emmanuel, God with us. The second name that shows us how Christmas saves us is the name Jesus. Joseph is told by the angel that Mary will give birth to a son and they are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus in the Hebrew language means God saves. But just in case Joseph doesn't get that, the angel spells out the meaning for him. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, sins can be a bit of an awkward word to mention in a carol service sermon, perhaps. But the thing is, we will never grasp why Christmas saves us unless we first understand that we need saving. To accept that we need saving from our sins, I think, is simply to take an honest look at the world and at ourselves. You only need to take a look at the news each day to be reminded that we are deeply flawed creatures. And if we're honest with ourselves, the moral failure that we observe out there in the world runs right through our own hearts too. It reminds me of the boy who wanted an Xbox for Christmas. In his bed at night, he prayed to God for an Xbox and promised God that he would be good for a month before Christmas. The next day, he found his little sister so annoying, he couldn't resist thumping her. So the next night, he renegotiated the terms of the deal with God. He promised God he would be good for a week. But the very next day, he failed again. So the next night, he tried a different tactic altogether. He tiptoed out of his bedroom, down the stairs and headed straight for the nativity scene in the hall. He grabbed the figure of Mary and crept back to his bedroom. Once back in his bed and firmly clutching the statue of Mary, he changed his prayer. Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again, it's the Xbox for Christmas. You see, Christianity isn't for good people. It is for bad people. It is for people who know that they are moral failures. It's for people who know they need each other's forgiveness and most of all, God's forgiveness. Notice that the angel does not say to Joseph that this child will come to instruct us with moral advice. The wonderful news at the heart of Christmas is that this child came to save us. But how does this baby born in Bethlehem actually save us? Well, as that great theologian, the football manager Arsene Wenger once observed, Christmas is important, but Easter is decisive. This baby, born in an animal feed trough, eventually goes to his death on a Roman cross. 
And on that cross, Jesus Christ the Saviour swapped places with us. As he died, he took the penalty for our sins instead of us. He lived the life that we should have lived, and he died the death we should have died. As the Queen reflected in her Christmas Day address a few years ago, God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a saviour with the power to forgive. Christmas doesn't need saving, but the two names of Jesus show how Christmas can save us. Emmanuel, God with us, he reveals God to us. Jesus, God saves, he restores us to God. The last verse of O Little Town of Bethlehem is a prayer which invites this Jesus, our Emmanuel, to be our saviour. If that is something you would like to do this Christmas, then perhaps repeat it in your own heart as I pray now. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Amen. On behalf of the Christians in Parliament All-Party Parliamentary Group, we wish you a very happy Christmas.